To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Wednesday, July 13th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Wall Street awaits this morning's key report on inflation. Oil prices stabilized following yesterday's sell-off. Twitter fires back in its battle with Elon Musk. And we take you to Israel, where President Biden begins his Middle East trip. A boating accident in the Hudson River has left two people dead. Plus, a gun rights group is suing New York's assault weapons ban. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. The Cincinnati Reds with four of the ninth stunned the Yankees, sent them to a third straight loss. The Mets lost in Atlanta. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures are higher this morning. We're coming up to 501 on Wall Street. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 11 points this morning. Dow futures up 75. NASDAQ futures up 47. The DAX in Germany is down 7 tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up 230 seconds. Yield 2.95 percent. And the yield on the two-year at 3.03 percent. Nathan. Karen, we begin this morning with the big inflation report. Wall Street is bracing for three and a half hours from now in Washington. The government issues the consumer price index for June, and it is expected to show no let up on inflation. Amy Morris has more from our Bloomberg 991 newsroom in Washington. May's CPI rose 8.6% year-over-year, a broad-based increase, and the largest in 40 years. June's reading could be even higher, based on a survey of Wall Street economists. At the same time, Bloomberg Economics says today's report will be balanced by recent evidence that inflation as well as economic growth may be moderating. The Federal Reserve is expected to keep raising interest rates to contain inflation by tempering economic growth. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. Right, Amy, thank you. The top priority for the Federal Reserve is curbing inflation. Richmond Fed President Thomas Barkin sees another 50 or 75 basis point rate hike coming this month. We're engaged in a very challenging exercise, which is um, to try to cool the economy down to normal levels, right, in an effort to bring inflation out of, under control, but without the intent of trying to cool it so down that, that, that the decline is calamitous. The right policy is to get inflation under control. Richmond Fed President Thomas Barkin says today's CPI reading will inform the central bank's next move. He is not a voter on this year's rate-setting FOMC. Higher gas and oil prices, Karen, have been major contributors to the spike in inflation. And today we're seeing crude higher following yesterday's nearly 8% decline. This morning, the International Energy Agency is warning that oil prices pose a high risk to the global economic recovery, with signs that fuel costs are starting to take their toll on demand growth. Checking prices now, NYMEX crude is up 1.3% or $1.23, $97.07 for a barrel of West Texas Intermediate. 
Well, Nathan, the surge in gasoline prices this year has Americans changing their minds on the next car they'll drive. We get the details from Bloomberg's Lisa Mateo. According to a survey by the American Automobile Association, a quarter of Americans say their next car will be an electric vehicle. More than three-fourths of them say their interest is driven by a desire to save on fuel costs. Gas prices, which have come down this month, reached a record $5.02 a gallon in June. Millennials are the most eager to electrify their ride, with 30% saying they plan to buy an EV next. Last year, only 3.2% of U.S. vehicles were EVs. Lisa Mateo, Bloomberg Day. Break. Okay, Lisa, thank you. Let's turn to corporate news now where Twitter is escalating its battle with Elon Musk. For the details, we are joined live by Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Nathan. Twitter is suing Elon Musk after he abandoned his $44 billion takeover bid. And the company is accusing him of having buyer's remorse after his fortune declined. Twitter lawyers say Musk should be forced to honor his agreement. The lawsuit says that Twitter has bent over backwards to provide him with the information he's requested. Musk has been disputing Twitter's claims that less than 5% of its users are bots and wanted more proof, but he ultimately abandoned the deal partially because of those concerns. The filing is setting up what will be a closely watched battle in the Delaware court system. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. Well, there's also news from Google today. The company plans to slow hiring this year. In an email to staff, Alphabet CEO Sundar Pichai notes the possibility of a recession and urges the company to work with greater urgency. He says Google will focus on hiring, engineering, technical, and other critical roles. Well, turning to politics now, Karen, it's all about geopolitics with President Biden heading to the Middle East. His first stop is Israel. Bloomberg's Anne-Marie Hordern is traveling with the president and filed this report from Jerusalem. Don't expect any major breakthroughs when it comes to the United States and the Israeli government. It recently collapsed, and they are looking ahead to elections in November. One key focus of this administration has been to normalize more Arab countries with Israel, and a key focus in a country to watch out for is Saudi Arabia. But there won't be any massive breakthroughs when it comes to dialogue or peace talks with the kingdom, but potentially more Saudi airspace being open to more Israeli flights. The president himself will be one of them, the first president the United States to fly from Israel to Jeddah later in the week. The president is backtracking on a campaign promise to make the kingdom a pariah. But at home, he needs the Saudis' help to put more oil on the market to bring gasoline prices down. In Jerusalem, I'm Anne-Marie Hordern, Bloomberg News. All right, Anne-Marie, thank you. Well, back here in the U.S., the political focus remains on Capitol Hill. The January 6th committee says it's investigating the possibility that former President Trump directly tried to contact a witness for the committee. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. The potentially explosive announcement by committee vice chair Liz Cheney was saved for the end. After our last hearing, President Trump tried to call a witness in our investigation, a witness you have not yet seen in these hearings. That person declined to answer or respond to President Trump's call. And turned over the evidence to an attorney who in turn contacted the committee. Cheney says now it has been turned over to the DOJ for possible charges of tampering with a witness. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thank you. And futures this morning on the rise. S&P futures up 11 points, Dow futures up 82, NASDAQ futures up 46, and the 10-year Treasury up 132nd, yield 2.96%. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports, and this is Bloomberg. 
All right, Karen, thank you. It's 507 on Wall Street, 76 degrees in Central Park. Already dealing with an accident investigation in Teaneck. The 80 and 95 local lanes are closed between exits 70 and 71. More coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with an accident on the Hudson River. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. At least two people are dead and ten injured after a boat capsized in New York City's Hudson River. The cause of the accident is under investigation, but the 27-foot private boat was in calm waters when it went down near Midtown Manhattan. New York City Mayor Eric Adams called it a devastating moment for the city. Between New York Waterway, Harbor, FDNY, and those who participated, uh, we clearly saved lives. New York Fire Commissioner Laura Cavanaugh spoke about the conditions of the others. There are two New Yorkers in critical condition in the hospitals and an additional New Yorker who is stable but critical at the hospital at this time. We also have eight additional patients who are green tags and are in stable condition. Fire Commissioner Laura Cavanaugh, the boat was chartered by a group of family and friends. The January 6th panel revealed Donald Trump fought objections from his White House lawyers to a plan eventually discarded to seize states' voting machines. The panel says then, in a last-ditch effort to salvage his presidency, Trump summoned supporters to march on the U.S. Capitol for what turned into the deadly riot. Former Oath Keepers spokesman Jason Van Tatenhove testified he wants more accountability. There was a gallows set up in front of the Capitol. This could have been the spark that started a new civil war, and no one would have won there. That would have been good for no one. Former Oath Keeper Jason Van Tatenhove says that he's worried about what will happen if Trump is reelected. Local media in Texas released edited surveillance video showing law enforcement in Uvalde waiting for more than an hour to take action after a gunman entered the Robb Elementary School killing 19 and two teachers. Police officers wearing body armor are seen in the video waiting in the hallway during the massacre. A gun rights group sued to overturn New York's assault weapons ban less than a month after the U.S. Supreme Court struck down a related state law that limited who could carry a handgun in public. According to the Firearms Policy Coalition, the assault weapons ban violates the Second Amendment. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael. Thank you. Coming up to 510 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stanshower. Good morning, Nathan. So many bright spots to this Yankee season. Maybe none brighter than the pitching of reliever Clay Holmes, acquired a year ago from Pittsburgh. Holmes gave up a run on opening day and then didn't give up another for the next two and a half months. But the Red Sox did get a big hit off him last weekend in one of their comeback wins. And last night at the stadium against the lowly Reds, Holmes suddenly couldn't get anyone out. A walk, a hit, a hit batsman, another single, another hit by pitch, and Holmes was taken out. Jonathan India with two outs of the ninth and delivered a game-winning two-run single off Wandy Peralta and Cincinnati with four in the ninth. Stunned the Yankees 4-3. to three. The Yanks have now lost three in a row, blown leads in all three. It's only their second three-game losing streak. The other was back in May. Mets in Atlanta had just five hits, lost four to one as Matt Olson had a two-run homer, sixth inning off David Peterson. Adam Duvall followed with a two-run shot, and inning later off Seth Lugo. The series ends this afternoon. At this time tomorrow in Scotland, they'll be underway. The 150th Open Championship. It's at historic St Andrews. That's why Tiger Woods wanted to play. But most of Tiger's presser yesterday were his thoughts about the new Live Tour. He's not a fan. That is a possibility. 
that uh, some players will never ever get a chance to play in a major championship, never get a chance to experience this right here. Um, I walked out in the fairways at Augusta National. I mean, uh, that that to me, I, I just don't, I just to me, I just don't understand it. Tiger says the live guys have turned their back on the PGA. He tees off tomorrow, 10 Eastern. He's playing with the U.S. Open champ, Matt Fitzpatrick. John Stash, and we're Bloomberg Sports. Mm-hmm. All right, John, thanks. S&P futures up 10 points. Dow futures up 75. NASDAQ futures are higher by 39 points. NYMEX crude up 1.2% at 96.98 a barrel. Are elevated oil prices with us for a while? Bloomberg's Will Kennedy joins us next. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, partly to mostly sunny today with a high near 90 degrees. Upper 80s with a chance for afternoon showers and storms tomorrow. We'll be upper 80s, mix of sun and clouds on Friday. Right now, 76 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are higher this morning while stocks in Europe dip in cautious trading dominated by a dimming outlook and an anxious wait for data that may show U.S. inflation at a fresh four-decade high. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are up about 10 points. Dow futures up 71. NASDAQ futures up 38. The DAX in Germany is down eight-tenths of a percent. The 10-year Treasury up 230 seconds. Yield 2.95 percent. They yield on the Two-year, 3.04 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up 1.1 percent, up a dollar eight at ninety-six dollars and ninety-two cents a barrel. COMEX gold up a tenth of a percent, or two dollars at seventeen twenty-six ninety an ounce. The euro 1.0037 against the dollar. British pound 1.1889. The yen at 137.15. And looking at Bitcoin this morning, higher up more than two percent at nineteen thousand eight hundred fifty dollars. Now that CPI report is at eight thirty Wall Street time. The Federal Reserve releases. It's Beige Book at 2, and Delta is among companies scheduled to report earnings today. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. January 6th Committee Co-Chair Liz Cheney said the panel had notified the Justice Department that Donald Trump himself had contacted a potential witness who was talking with the committee. The panel also presented evidence that Trump aid secretly planned for a second rally stage across from the Capitol on the day of the attack. President Joe Biden lands in Israel this afternoon for a three-day stop before heading to Saudi Arabia. Iran's quickly evolving nuclear program is high on the agenda. In baseball, the Yankees and Mets lost. Also in the losing column, the Red Sox, the Orioles, A's, and Giants won. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thank you. It's 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And while we wait for that all-important June producer price index later this morning, we want to take a closer look at the oil market because that's been such a big piece of the price pressures we've been experiencing over the last several months now. Right now, crude is uh, trading about $100 a barrel, but right around 97 uh, for West Texas Intermediate, giving up most of the gains we saw after Russia's invasion of Ukraine. But the era of higher fuel prices may be with us longer than many policymakers and drivers might like. 
Bloomberg's senior executive editor for energy and commodities, Will Kennedy, has a story about this for Bloomberg Businessweek. And Will joins us now with more on it. Will, good morning. We kind of heard about this uh, just this week from the head of the International Energy Agency saying the worst of the energy crunch may be ahead of us. Why? I think there are several reasons. Yes, some of the heat, as you say, has come out of oil prices in recent weeks as concerns about the state of the global economy has grown and the dollar has risen, which tends to be bearish for oil prices. But when you look at the fundamental underlying supply and demand picture, there's no reason to see any sort of collapse in oil prices. And in fact, you know, most commentators think that uh, the market will remain tight. There are a few reasons for that. Uh, demand remains robust, and it's still recovering from the pandemic, and people want to be out traveling again and flying again and driving again, and that's adding adding to demand, and it's expected to continue to grow. And then on the supply side, you know, OPEC is struggling to meet its current targets. There may be a little bit more oil from Saudi Arabia and the UAE, and that's something that Joe Biden will be discussing with the Saudis when he's in the kingdom later this week. But... Other producers are struggling to increase production. U.S. shale industry isn't booming like it once was. Um, and traditional basins, um, investment is quite low. So there's no reason to see a sudden glut of oil. And in fact, a lot of people think that the picture will remain, as I say, uh, fairly well balanced. It does bring some attention, as you mentioned, uh, to President Biden's trip to Saudi Arabia later on this week into the week. And we heard from the Biden administration this week, and they think that oil producing countries may have some spare capacity to boost production. Uh, is the Biden administration wrong here? No one knows the precise numbers. Yes, I think Saudi Arabia does have some extra spare capacity. The UAE probably has a little bit of spare capacity too, although as I pointed out in my story, uh, the leader of the UAE told the French president that he didn't think he had that much more to give a couple of weeks ago. Um, but there's probably some oil for both. The question is exactly how much and importantly, for how long. Saudi Arabia is producing at very high levels already. Um, it says it can go to 12 million barrels a day, which is a, you know uh, about another million barrels from where it is now. But it's only ever hit 12 million barrels for a few days, and it's not known to the market whether it can do that on a sustained period. There's another issue here as well. Once that extra Saudi and UAE oil comes into the market, then the world has very little spare capacity. So traders have to confront a world where if there's another outage and we've seen oil barrels disappear from Libya because of unrest there, for example, or there's a big hurricane in the Gulf of Mexico uh, later in the year, then the market has little ability to respond. That swing producer role that Saudi Arabia has normally played is all tapped out. And I think that's another issue that the market's going to have to deal with and another reason why prices may remain fairly elevated. And, of course, Russia plays a big part in this as well, right? I mean, we heard from J.P. Morgan putting out a worst-case scenario that prices could spike to $380 a barrel if Russian crude gets off the market. Russia is the great actor in global oil markets right now. Clearly, it's using its leverage in global oil markets as one of the world's most important suppliers of crude and natural gas uh, to further its political ambitions in the war in Ukraine. Um, we see how it's putting pressure in on Europe through the gas market. It could do something with oil. So far, it's uh, oil production has fallen a bit because traditional buyers in Europe have shunned uh, Russian crude and products, but a lot of that oil has switched to India and China. But if Putin really wanted to give the global economy a shock, he could reduce Russia's oil production, and that could send prices stratospheric, as JP Morgan were exploring in their note. Is that likely? Perhaps not. But definitely President Putin is another 
factor that traders have to put into their calculations. Thanks for this, Will. Great having you on with us this morning. Will Kennedy, Senior Executive Editor for Energy and Commodities for Bloomberg News. And uh, look out for his story on the Bloomberg Terminal. It's coming up in Bloomberg Business Week on why elevated oil prices could be with us for months, if not years, thanks to the underlying dynamics of the oil market. Looking ahead to the market open on Wall Street, futures are a touch higher as we uh, get ready for June pr- uh, consumer prices. S&P futures are higher by 9 points. Dow futures up 68. NASDAQ futures are higher by 39 points. Ten-year Treasury is up uh, two thirty seconds. Now the yield almost 2.96%. Yield on the two-year 3.04%. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunshine and a high near 90 today. Upper 80s possible tomorrow with a chance for afternoon showers and storms. Mix of sun and clouds, upper 80s for Friday. Right now, 76 in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119 and around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. And we begin with the latest consumer price index, which will be released three hours from now. Bloomberg's Vinny Dal Judai says we're likely to see another hot inflation reading. May CPI rose 8.6% year-over-year, a broad-based increase in the largest in 40 years. June's reading could be even higher based on a survey of Wall Street economists. At the same time, Bloomberg Economics says today's report will be balanced by recent evidence that inflation, as well as economic growth, may be moderating. The Federal Reserve is expected to keep raising interest rates to contain inflation by tempering economic growth. Vinny Del Judice, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Vinny, thank you. Meantime, the International Monetary Fund cut its month-old growth projections for the U.S. economy, warning that a broad-based surge in inflation poses systemic risks to both the U.S. and global economies. And Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond President Thomas Barkin says the Fed's top priority is to curb inflation. The Fed's tools work over time. So I expect inflation to come down, but not immediately, not suddenly, and not predictably. I'd expect inflation to bounce around on its way back to our target. And these significant oscillations are going to take time to dampen. Richmond Fed President Thomas Barkin says the right policy is to cool inflation without causing a significant economic downturn. Well, higher gas and oil prices have contributed to the inflation spike, Karen. And this morning, crude is up following yesterday's decline. Checking prices now, NYMEX crude's up 1% or 93 cents at $96.77 a barrel. Brent is at $100.44. Well, Nathan and Corporate News, Twitter is escalating its battle with Elon Musk. And Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with more. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. Twitter is suing Elon Musk after he abandoned his $44 billion takeover bid. The company is accusing him of having buyer's remorse after his fortune declined. Now, the lawsuit says that Twitter has bent over backwards to provide Musk with the information he's requested. He's disputed Twitter's claims that less than 5% of its users are bots and 
wanted more proof. The filing is setting up what will be a closely watched battle in the Delaware court system. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, thanks, Renita. And sticking with corporate news, Google plans to slow hiring for the rest of the year. Alphabet CEO Sundar Pichai noted the possibility of a recession in an email to staff and said Google will focus on hiring for specific critical roles. And futures are higher this morning. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports, and this is Bloomberg. 533 on Wall Street, 76 degrees in Central Park. And Michael Barr has more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. A tragedy in New York City. Two people are dead. After a boat capsized in the Hudson River in Manhattan, Police Commissioner Sewell Keechant says it happened mid-afternoon. This is a tragic day for New Yorkers. Indeed, it may have well been worse were it not for the incredible effort by not only our own extraordinary first responders, but also the swift response from the New York Waterway Ferries, who rescued nine additional people from the water. Police Commissioner Keeshant, a nearby ferry also rushed to help pull people from the water. At least nine others were sent to local hospitals. The mayor of Uvalde, Texas, is furious after video footage from the Robb Elementary School hallway was leaked ahead of a private family viewing scheduled for this weekend. Uvalde Mayor Don McLaughlin says he feels the families were blindsided by the release of the tape. And when it comes to the local, state, and federal authorities seen waiting in the hallway while the violence inside continued, McLaughlin wants everybody who's seen on the tape to be held accountable. I'm not shifting the blame, but there was enough high-powered officers, U.S. Marshals, DPS, Border Patrol, DHS, to come in there and say, hey, we're going, we're doing this. The Austin American Statesman and a local TV station released an edited version of the 77-minute surveillance video. According to CNN, one video shows the gunman entering the school and walking down the hallway with a long rifle. The recording also shows officers approaching the classroom that the shooter was in, but then retreating down the hallway and taking cover when gunfire is heard. It was more than an hour later before authorities confronted and killed the shooter. Sri Lanka's president has fled the country early today, slipping away only hours before he promised to step down under pressure from protesters angry over economic chaos that triggered severe shortages of food and fuel. Thousands of protesters are also demanding that the prime minister resign. A U.S. gun rights group sued to overturn New York's assault weapons ban less than a month after the U.S. Supreme Court struck down a related state law that limited who could carry a handgun in public. The Firearms Policy Coalition says the ban violates the Second Amendment. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Michael, thank you. 535 on Wall Street. John Stanshower has the Bloomberg Sports Update. Thanks, Nathan. Yankees are cruising along against the Cincinnati Reds, the team that began this season 3-22. and Garrett Cole was sharp. Seven scoreless innings. Gave up only four hits. Struck out 11. Anthony Rizzo, a two-run single before there was an out in the first. Yanks took a 3 nothing lead to the ninth. Gave the ball to their all-star, Clay Holmes, who's been nearly perfect this season. That's why he's taken the closer role away from a role as Chapman. Holmes then faced five batters. Couldn't get anyone out. Gave up two hits, a walk, hit two batters. Yanks were still one out from victory. The 0-2 pitch. India loops it into short center field. It's down for a base hit. One run will score. Here comes Solano. He'll score. And the Reds have come all the way back to take the lead. Jonathan India with his second hit tonight puts the Reds on top. 
WLW in Cincinnati. 4-3 the final. The Reds have won five in a row. Three straight Yankee losses with blown leads in all three. Mets lost in Atlanta 4-1. to The Braves got two on homers from Matt Olson and Adam Duvall. And they are 30-9 and since June 1st. And if Atlanta wins again this afternoon, they'll be only a half game behind the Mets. NHL free agency is underway. The biggest name was of Jenny Malkin, but he's staying in Pittsburgh where he has spent his entire 16-year career. Tiger Woods' first public comments about the new Live Tour. He says he doesn't understand why anyone would give up a chance to play the majors. Says they've turned their back on the PGA. Tiger passed up the U.S. Open to get ready to play the Open Championship. He wanted to play St. Andrews one more time while he feels he's still competitive. The 150th Open Championship. He's off tomorrow. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thanks, John. It's 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report with Bloomberg's Ed Corey. New York City's estimated personal income tax payments in June declined to the lowest level since 2017. That marks the first sign that the stock market tumble is hitting the revenue of the financial capital, according to City Comptroller Brad Lander. New York is suing the owners of a building in Manhattan for running illegal short-term rentals through platforms like Airbnb. City officials claim that Aaron Latimer, a licensed real estate broker, building owner Apex Management, and managing member Esther Yip allegedly have been running an illegal operation in the Turtle Bay neighborhood in Midtown Manhattan. The owner of a natural gas-fired power plant in Queens plans to close the facility and transform it into a clean energy transmission and storage hub. Rise Light and Power plans to file applications this year with state regulators to develop the Ravenswood Generating Station. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thanks, Ed. 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Potus, and on 1010 Wins in New York, we're talking about how the end of tax incentives threaten New York's rental market. I'm Courtney Donahoe on WHAS in Louisville. A quarter of Americans say they will buy an electric vehicle for their next car. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for KCBS in San Francisco, I'm reporting that Twitter's attorneys say they need just four days to prove that Elon Musk should be forced to honor his buyout agreement. I'm Stephen Carroll on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We're reporting on the surprise and the latest UK GDP figure is showing stronger than expected growth in May. I'm Ed Corey on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting the median sales price for a home in Metro Detroit is top $300,000. And those are some of the top stories. Our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. In some ways, Congress's response to the COVID-19 pandemic amounted to a striking bipartisan success. Lawmakers passed six laws offering more than $5 trillion in relief, helping to keep households afloat, businesses open, and the economy from outright collapse. Unfortunately, the response also wasted money on a large scale. An analysis of more than 11 million Paycheck Protection Program loans found that about 1.4 million, or fully 12%, showed some indication of fraud. The authors estimate total suspicious lending may have exceeded $117 billion. Any big federal outlay will lead to attempted scams and swindles, yet the scale of COVID fraud has been remarkable. 
Congress owes it to taxpayers to find out what went wrong and to recoup as much of their money as it can. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPIN go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And you are listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg Opinion editorials can be heard every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. 76 degrees right now in Central Park, making our way up to 90 under a partly to mostly sunny sky. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are higher while stocks in Europe dip in cautious trading dominated by a dimming economic outlook and an anxious wait for data that may show U.S. inflation at a fresh four-decade high. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are up nine points. Dow futures up 65. NASDAQ futures up 37. The DAX in Germany is down seven-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up one-thirty-second yield 2.96 percent. The yield on the two-year 3.04 NYMEX crude oil is up nine tenths percent or ninety three cents at ninety six dollars seventy seven cents a barrel. COMEX gold is up a tenth of a percent, up a dollar eighty at seventeen twenty six seventy an ounce. The euro one point zero zero four one against the dollar. British pound one point one eight nine seven, and the yen one thirty seven point one one. And Bitcoin this morning is up one point seven percent at nineteen thousand seven hundred sixty dollars. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, thank you very much. Much Karen, January 6th committee vice chair Liz Cheney revealed at the close of yesterday's hearing that former President Trump tried to call a witness in the investigation and that the committee has notified the Justice Department. Also, former White House counsel Pat Cipollone testified a special order was drafted in December that would allow the Defense Department to seize voting machines. Military officials from Russia and Ukraine are set to hold their government's first face-to-face talks in months. They are meeting in Istanbul to discuss a U.N. plan to export blocked Ukrainian grain to world markets through the Black Sea. In baseball, the Yankees and Mets lost. Also in the losing column, the Red Sox, the Orioles, A's, and Giants won. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Michael. It is 549 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. 549 means we're about two hours and 41 minutes away from the June Consumer Price Index that is expected to show another historically high month for inflation. Sarah House is with us this morning ahead of the release of those numbers, senior economist at Wells Fargo. Sarah, good morning. I think just about everybody thinks uh, CPI is going to come in hot. I guess the question is, are we going to get any signs that inflation has peaked? Sarah? I don't think we have Sarah with us at the moment. So uh, we'll be uh, checking her line, see if we can get more insights into this consumer price index for June, which uh, economists surveyed by Bloomberg predict is going to come in 8.8% higher uh, compared to last year. Uh, we'll try to get Sarah back on the line. In the meantime, let's turn over uh, to Karen uh, with a look at the Bloomberg Law Brief. Karen. 
All right. Well, Nathan, thank you. It is 5.50 on Wall Street. It is time for the Bloomberg Law Report. It is brought to you by American Arbitration Association. Business disputes are inevitable. Resolve faster with the American Arbitration Association, the global leader in alternative dispute resolution for over 90 years. More at ADR.org. Now let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. The 11th Circuit reinstated a Georgia Roundup user's claim that Bayer failed to provide adequate warning about the cancer risk posed by the herbicide. Alnylam Pharmaceuticals expanded legal battles against Pfizer, BioNTech, and Moderna, charging the company's COVID vaccines are delivered using technology covered by an Alnylam patent. A copyright suit filed by fitness trainer Tracy Anderson accuses former employee Megan Roop and her company, the Sculpt Society, of stealing choreography. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. All right, Jeff, thank you. Now another legal story we're watching. Basketball star Brittany Griner pleaded guilty last week to drug possessions during the second session of her trial in a Russian court. But unlike the American system where a guilty plea ends the trial, Griner's trial will continue tomorrow. And even after the verdict and sentencing, there is no clear path to bring Griner back to the U.S. For more, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks to Jeffrey Kahn, a professor at Southern Methodist University School of Law. So she's pleaded guilty. What happens next? Is she sentenced next? Well, the next hearing is scheduled for July 14th. And in the Russian system, an imposition of punishment, the sentencing, usually is done in very close proximity with the court's conclusion that the defendant is guilty of a crime. So conviction and sentence usually come very close together. That's another big difference between the U.S. approach and the Russian approach. In the U.S. approach, the individual can try to present reasons why a lesser sentence should be imposed. There is very little time in the Russian system for contrition to happen. The judge is going to impose that sentence very quickly, and so it may be that Ms. Greiner was given the advice that if she wanted to be able to influence the size of her sentence, now was the time. In the last few weeks, there's been what you could call a full-court press. Greiner's wife did several television interviews. Greiner wrote a much-publicized letter to President Biden. There's been public support from her teammates and other athletes. Could this high-profile push backfire? One reason the State Department has generally advised families not to go to the press is because of a fear that this would actually increase the price, so to speak, of return of their family member, that as someone gets more and more attention, uh, that person's value goes up. The State Department, I think, is also concerned that elevating this to such a high level of attention can encourage other states to seize and bring up on trial Americans who are traveling abroad. On the other hand, the families of individuals who have been involved in this terrible sort of circumstance have sometimes said that they have felt that nothing was done until they spoke up and went to the press. And that certainly has been what the family of Trevor Reed, that young Texas student, has said after his return to the United States. So could it backfire? It seems that it certainly could. But that's not known to anyone with the exception of the Russians. 
And that's Jeffrey Kahn, a professor at Southern Methodist University School of Law, speaking with Bloomberg's June Grasso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BLawGo. Nathan. All right, Karen. Thanks. 554 on Wall Street. I think we resolved some of the technical issues and have Wells Fargo senior economist Sarah House back on the line with us. Sarah, are you with us? I am. Good morning. All right. Great. Thanks for being here. As we look ahead to the June CPI, do you think we're going to see any signs of peak inflation on a print that I think just about everybody is expecting is going to come in hot this morning? So I don't think anything in today's report will signal that we've quite reached peak in inflation. I think more of that comes from the recent commodity movements we've seen over the past few weeks. And I think overall, when we look underneath the hood, we're still likely to see a very hot poor CPI print again. So even as we see some relief coming down the pike in things like food and energy, I think we still have stubbornly high inflation. Well, how much then does this report matter for the Fed? As you mentioned, it is backward looking, but is it going to keep the Fed on track for an aggressive rate hike this month or into subsequent months? Overall, we're still looking at another monster size hike. So our expectation is that we'll see the Fed move ahead 75 basis points at their meeting here in a couple of weeks. I think really you'd have to see significant increases in the core that are broad based for that to potentially come uh, a 100 basis point hike. I don't think we can write anything off at, at this juncture. Alternatively, I think if you saw significant cooling across the core, it could uh, suggest that maybe they can can go at that slightly slower pace of, of 50 basis points. But I think given that overall, you're still likely to see another his, historic print that I think 75 basis points is, is a reasonable assumption at this well, point. What's your projection about where we are going on core inflation? Obviously, that is what the Fed is focused on. Yeah, so if you look at the year-over-year numbers, we think that they're actually likely to head up over the next few months and retest the highs that we've seen uh, earlier this year. And that's because you still haven't seen services inflation peak. So there's still a lot of strength coming out of the housing market. There's a lag in when that data shows up. But even beyond housing, there's still quite a bit of demand out there for, for travel services. And even in some of the more mundane services, things like home insurance, auto insurance, medical care. And so I think we haven't seen that peak. And so that's going to make it really hard to see that series of, of moderation prints that in, in the core that I think could get the Fed to really back off and move to a more moderate pace of tightening. Only have about a minute left here, Sarah, but we got this fake CPI report that made the rounds online yesterday. How much of an issue is fake news when it comes to gaming out the inflation uh, expectations? So I think overall that just illustrates just how important this data is, Pat, that someone's taking the time to to fake this news that you know, this is the number one concern facing the economy right now and the number one threat. And so I think overall that just underscores the, the overall attention on the current inflation data and what that means for the broader economy. All right, glad we were back, uh, get, able to uh, get back connected with you, Sarah. Thanks for this as we uh, look ahead uh, to June CPI. Sarah House, a senior economist at Wells Fargo. In the uh, survey on the Bloomberg Terminal of Economists, 8.8% year-over-year inflation, 1.1% uh, month-over-month. Uh, expectation is core CPI will drop just a bit from uh, 6 last month down to 5.7%. Those numbers come out 8.30 Wall Street time. Of course, we will have full coverage for you here on Bloomberg Radio.
Right now, S&P futures are up nine points. Dow futures up 67. NASDAQ futures up 37 points. The 10-year Treasury is up two thirty seconds, yield close to 2.96%. Bloomberg Daybreak continues on this Wednesday morning. This is Bloomberg. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.